the best advice I have is don't do something in preparation for divorce out of fear that will accidentally hit the war bell. For many families that own small businesses, the prospect of a divorce can be daunting. There is certainly a lot to be concerned about. Today, I have Melinda Eitzen here to talk about how the collaborative divorce process can really help families come up with creative solutions as they navigate divorce. Melinda is a partner in the law firm of Duffy and Eitzen here in Dallas, serving all of North Texas. She's also a master level credentialed collaborative divorce specialist, and she is the author of uh, two books, one on the topic of collaborative divorce and one also that is just a great primer on divorce. It's called Considering Divorce. So Melinda, I'm really excited to have you here today to talk about all things divorce, but especially talk about issues facing families who own small businesses. Welcome. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm glad to be here. So before we get started in talking about small businesses, tell us how you came into the collaborative divorce process. So in 2001, I think it was 2001, um, two lawyers, uh, Larry Hant and someone else, I think John McShane, brought a collaborative trainer here to Texas. And they, Larry called me and said, hey, we're going to have this training and you need to come. And I really had no idea what I was going to or what it was about. But I went to the training and it was a two-day training, I think, a basic. And as I was sitting there, I just had such an aha moment of, oh my gosh, why aren't we already doing it this way? <laughs> and then I ran around the room and found people I had cases with and said, the case we just started, let's do it collaborative. <laughs> so I think, I think I had the first collaborative case in Dallas. <laughs> So up until that time, you had you were a divorce attorney. You had been representing lots of families in more of a traditional litigation process. Is that right? What? I still do that. I really serve in both models, whether it's collaborative or litigation or um, mediation. But I think collaborative is the process of choice. What was it when you were sitting in that training? What was it that really spoke to you that, uh, that where you saw the potential and possibilities for helping families in a different way? I think that this will not sound revolutionary to people who weren't doing litigation, but what is so amazing about collaborative is it allows people to get divorced with honor and with self-respect and to be their higher selves instead of feeling like they have to throw dirt and talk about all the failings of their spouse. I love that. It really helps families focus on the future. And, um, you know, I, what I say is that it's possible to have a divorce that's consistent with your values. And people who get a divorce still value family. And I think this is a, a process that really allows them to um, move into that next chapter. Um, let's talk about uh, families who have small businesses. What ways can the collaborative divorce process really help them? That's a great question. So a lot of my practice does involve people who own a business and often it's their primary asset. And instead of building up a 401k or having a stock portfolio, they're putting all their assets into this business. They're just reinvesting in their family business and sometimes hoping to pass it on to future generations. 
so that the it's very important typically to at least one of the couple one party to have that business continue and what i like about collaborative is it allows us to really have a problem solving approach to how to maintain that business and keep at least one party in it i've had some cases where they both stay in it um, post-divorce but still get the other party the person who doesn't want to stay in the business and wants some money how to get them some value. I love that. You know, um, when we do a collaborative case, one of the first things we start off is asking people what their goals are in the divorce process. And I think especially for uh, people who are small business owners, you know, really being able to give voice to the fact that, you know, they're coming into the divorce process with a lot of fears and worries and concerns. And we can really address a lot of those concerns in the divorce process. Um, what, what are some fears that you see that your clients are struggling with when they are facing divorce and they, they own a small business? Well, I think they're worried about, do I have to sell my business, right? That's the immediate question. But even if they feel pretty confident that's not going to happen, or I assure them that I don't think we have to do that, they're worried about disruption into the business. And as we gather information, if we need to gather information, in order, for example, to value it, if that's part of what they decide in the process needs to happen, that process of gathering information in litigation can be very disruptive to the business. And we're pulling people off of their tasks, running the business to gather information. And in litigation, it can be um, combative where they're taking depositions of people you know, in management in the business. So it's very relieving to people to hear that we don't have to approach it that way. We can gather the information that we need without being as disruptive. That's such a good point. I think too, you know, one of the things that happens in the litigation context is, you know, the divorce can impact employees, relationships with employees, employees catch wind and they're, you know, a buzz. Um, it can also impact relationships with clients or with other um, vendors, you know, whoever you're dealing with in the business. And one of the great things about collaborative is it's confidential. So what's happening in the divorce really stays within the divorce. And I think the couple has a lot more control over the message that they're sending. So they don't have to worry about, you know, the destructive gossip rumor mill that happens um, in a litigation context. Um, how have you seen families come up with creative solutions in, in a family business context? Well, one thing that I think some people assume is that we would always value the business, for example, and that can be very expensive and we would typically hire a neutral. And in many cases we do this, we hire a neutral and they come in and their job is to value the business. Well, some people don't want to do that. They don't want to bear the expense of it. And collaborative allows us to say, well, what do you think it's worth? And if they both agree on what they think that value is worth, we do not have to bear that expense and trouble. Which is, yeah, I mean, that's great because, I mean, you don't even, you don't have to hire a business valuation expert at all. I think a lot of people don't realize um, in a divorce, typically, if we're in a litigation context, each side is hiring their own business valuation expert. So not only do you have one, you know, I mean, you don't have just the intrusive process of one business valuator you know, going through all your records and interviewing all the key people, but now you have 
it happening twice and um and you end up with a, a battle of the experts and i love that in collaborative we can really avoid that uh because if we do hire it's you, you hire one and you you refer to that as the neutral but that's where both parties just hire one expert um, to to value the business, but you're right. I mean, you know, there are lots of times when, when we don't even have to to do the value. Um, what do you see? I mean, have you seen some creative ways to divide a interest in a business, maybe versus what we see in litigation, like how business interests do get divided? Yes, I mean, it, it of course depends on the nature of the business, and is there something that could be sold a piece of it to fund the other person's value that they're trying to get out of it. So let's just do a hypothetical. Let's say um, that the wife is really the one running the business and she wants to maintain that role and she wants to stay in the business and preserve as much of it as possible. The husband doesn't have a problem with that, but he wants money right out of it. And that's their main asset because in my example earlier, they just keep reinvesting in it. Well, we need to identify, is there some piece, small piece of the business, maybe it owns some real estate that we could just sell a portion of it to try to get some value to the husband. Um, maybe we do a combination of some value in cash or by sale of something and then a stream of payments over time. Because in many cases they are cash positive. It's not that the business isn't doing well, it's that they just keep putting money back in and making it bigger and better. So I've had many cases where we just have a stream of payments in that example going to the husband and we secure that stream of payments by the assets of the business. One of the, as you're talking, it brings to mind the fact that one of the great things about the collaborative divorce process is we actually have a team. Um, and so each side is represented by uh, their own lawyer, but then we have a neutral um, financial expert usually, and usually a neutral mental health professional. And the power of the team all working together to come up with creative solutions is something that um, I think is so advantageous in the collaborative divorce process because we can brainstorm and come up with all kinds of scenarios. And, you know, every business is different. I mean, you just, you mentioned that earlier and every family is different and, you know, their level of involvement post-divorce um, is going to be different too. So I think that that's a great, um, a great thing. Tell us what, um, in terms of like post-divorce success that you've seen with families who own businesses. I mean, a lot of times a divorce can be a devastating event and that, that it can make the business go belly up. How have you seen businesses thrive after divorce? I think that it really comes down to, do they have respect and trust in each other even though they're getting divorced? And do they have enough respect and trust that they can problem solve and be successful post-divorce? on how we're getting value from one, you know, from the business to the other person. I have had cases where they continue to both work in the business. That doesn't seem ideal in those <laughs> cases, but if it's a business where there's more than one location or the do, both of them were actively working in it and their duties were very defined and different, then that I have seen that be successful and they were invested in it and maybe their kids were already working in the business in that instance. So they 
were successful in keeping that going. But in most cases, one person does want to be removed and go on with their life. And but they are invested in that business being successful because that's how they're going to get paid out eventually. Right. And, and yeah. you need to also be creative in leveraging. Like there might be abilities to get a loan and just buy them out now and not have to do that stream of payments. It just depends on, um, you know, how creative we can get with getting some, a lender involved who might be able to help us. Now, a lot of people think that, you know, collaborative divorce is for people who don't have any conflict, that they've already pretty much agreed on everything. And so they can come into this collaborative divorce process. What is your experience in terms of working with levels of conflict and even, you know, trust? I mean, you just were talking about couples who trust each other. Um, but, you know, can if, if you're not completely trusting of your spouse, can you still work in the collaborative divorce process? Oh, absolutely. To me, it's the better process um, for almost any instance. And I have had really high conflict, like, slamming the door so hard to the conference room that I thought the glass in the door was going to break and really misbehaving between meetings. So they do not, I had one case, we had 14 meetings, which is very unusual. That's a large amount of meetings. And between the meetings, one of the two did everything bad you could ever do. <laughs> and they never spoke at all between the meetings. So they had no trust, no respect. But they still valued the process because of the privacy element. It was very important to them to keep their divorce details private from the rest of the community. And from the creative solution, they didn't want the cookie cutter approach that we see from the court sometimes. So we can deal with high conflict and high emotion and no trust. In that case, we had one person buy a house without agreement that nobody knew about in the middle of the case. But we found out because we had a neutral financial professional that was looking at all the records every month. So there, there's definitely trust but verify. <laughs> you know, it is, um, it just brings to mind the fact that, because when I hear people say, oh, collaborative isn't for me because I, you know, I don't trust my spouse or we have a lot of conflict. I, th I, you know, what comes to my mind are the litigation cases that go on for years and years and years. And, you know, I don't think people realize right now in terms of privacy, um, courts have always been public forums. And that means that anybody can go walk into a courtroom and hear, you know, the dirty details. But now more than ever, our, our court battles aren't just in the courtroom, they're on YouTube, at least where we practice. And so it is readily available for people to watch from their own living rooms. They don't have to pay for parking downtown at the courthouse. Um, and that privacy element is so important. Um, what advice do you have if, if somebody's watching this and they have a, they have a business and they're thinking that, um, you know, divorce may be in their future. What, what tips or advice do you have for them? Besides, I will say they should buy your book and read Considering Divorce. <laughs> it's chock full of good tips, but. Yes, they're on Amazon. Um, no, the best advice I have is don't do something in preparation for divorce out of fear that will accidentally hit the war bell. And what I mean by that, a great example is, moving money. I can't tell you, and I'm sure you've seen it too, Jennifer, how many times I've seen where 
with a lawyer's advice, actually, out of fear, they move half the money out of all the accounts, personal accounts, business accounts, because they're afraid the other person's going to. But what they've done is they've hit a war bell. Now we're going to war because that person is so angry that they did that. And we can't often recover from that. Now we've set the stage for war for the whole case. And in truth, you didn't need to take half the money because if the other, out of fear, because we have remedies if the other person did that. So the way I say it to people is, hey, if you could last for two weeks, you could live, you could borrow money from a friend, you could live off your credit cards. If you could last for two weeks financially, I can get the money back. So you don't need to do something out of fear that hasn't happened, right? You don't need to do a fear-based beginning move. Don't do it. And then the other advice I have is don't have an affair because that just makes everybody so mad. But if you've already had an affair and it's active and you don't want to stop, then my advice is be discreet. So don't bring the affair partner to the soccer game for your child because that just makes everybody really angry and then it makes it harder to resolve your case and more expensive. That is some really good and practical advice. I I think so often people are in a state of fear when they're entering into the divorce process and you know they probably may may hire a lawyer out of fear thinking I need to have the biggest meanest baddest lawyer. Um, and what I often tell people is you know the problem is is that that meanest baddest lawyer is really good at collecting fees and creating conflict and and not helping find a resolution. So it's so refreshing to speak with a, another like-minded lawyer who really understands that there is tremendous value for our families in helping them get through the divorce process in a way that um, doesn't escalate conflict and escalate fear. Because really at the end of the day, you know, I mean, we're gonna take the assets, we're gonna find a, a way of dividing them that makes sense. But um, hopefully, you know, your family will continue on. It's just in a different, in a different format. Um, Melinda, thank you so much for taking time. I just wanna, I do wanna do a quick plug. Tell us um, where people can learn more about you and your website and um, where can they get information about your books? Oh, thank you so much. So Duffy and Eitzen is spelled D-U-F-F-E-E-A-N-D. Eitzen is E-I-T-Z-E-N.com. That's our website. And our, both books are on Amazon and you can just Google by my last name, which is E-I-T-Z-E-N to find those and hopefully they'll be of help. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here.